0: So hello everyone. I would like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. My name is Lee Nichols, and I'm the editor in chief and associate publisher of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine. Now joining me today are three subject matter experts from Inderson Hauser, Prasant Shrikamoor, Mark Thomas, and Sam Miller. Now today we're going to be discussing the latest in instrumentation technology among some other topics as well. Now before we begin, i would do want to invite you to subscribe to the main column podcast by clicking on the subscribe button which is located on the podcast page or you can use your smartphone and say hey Google Alexa or Siri subscribe me to the main column podcast so with that let's go ahead and get started first let's get some intros so the listeners know who we're speaking with today so to start off with can you just say your name and your role with the company so uh, let's start with you and then we'll follow with mark and then Sam
1: uh, first of all, uh, thanks to Lee and Hydrocarbon Processing Team to invite us to join for this uh, podcast today. Uh, excited to be uh, part of this session today. My name is uh, Prashant Srikumar, and I am the Global Industry Development Manager responsible for natural gas and LNG business. I am based in, uh, in Other office in uh, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. I have uh, over 22 years of uh, experience in the oil and gas industry segment. In my current role, responsible for defining and implementation of industry strategy in natural gas value chain. Once again, my pleasure to be part of the podcast today. Excellent. Let's jump to you, Mark. Hey,
2: thanks, Lee. Yeah, my name is Mark Thomas. I'm with Anderson Hauser here in the United States, uh, based in Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm our oil and gas industry manager. In, um, been in the oil and gas industry for uh, closing in on 18 years as a whole. So thank you for for having us on this podcast today.
3: Great, and how about over to you, Sam? Hi Lee, Uh, this is Sam Miller. I am the director of product management at Spectra Sensors. And Spectra Sensors is an Andres and Hauser company. Um, my, My expertise is in the analytical side, gas analytical to be specific and I'm over here in Raina Cucamonga, California, which is close to Los Angeles in Southern California, and I've been with the company for about 15 years.
0: Excellent, perfect. So with that, let's just dive right in. I've got several questions uh, for y'all today. Let's start off with kind of a general market question here. So what I wanted to ask was, Prasant, you and Sam, I think this is probably best for you. So we're looking at global market demand for gas and sour gas field development. Can you speak a little bit about
1: that? Okay, let let me give you a very quick uh, global perspective on how do we uh, see this topic. And probably Sam can add up on a U.S. perspective. Now, if you look at the uh, global energy demand, it has been uh, growing continuously over the past decade and uh, we see a transition in the energy mix. There is a drive towards uh, minimizing the carbon footprint, and also there is an increase in energy demand, which has resulted in natural gas growing at a faster pace compared to other fossil fuels. Uh, There has been a lot of discussions whether natural gas is going to be a transition fuel or a destination fuel. If you talk to industry experts, you know, what we hear is natural gas is definitely going to be a destination fuel. And also the other factor which has helped in the growth of natural gas is the globally integrated LNG network, which has enabled uh, uh, a movement of LNG from one part of the world to the other. Now, moving into the unconventional gas resources like uh, ultra-sour gas, shale gas, and tight gas. Now, this is developed due to decline of conventional sources of natural gas. According to different reports, if we read through, there is significant percentage of world's natural gas reserves are sour in nature. Now, sour gas is so-called because it contains uh, higher concentrations of uh, hydrogen sulfide, which is uh, corrosive and poisonous. Now, developing some of these sour gas reserves require special materials and uh, chemical processing to clean up uh, H2S uh, so that you have the right specification of H2S in the natural gas, which can be put into your uh, pipeline or could be used in your uh, downstream processes. Another aspect here is safety. Now, uh, operating procedures for developing sour gas fields must be rigorous and well-designed because this needs operations under uh, highest level of uh, personal safety also because you have any situation with H2S that is not advisable. So, safety is also a very critical uh, topic when we talk about development of uh, sour gas fields. Uh, Sam? you want to add up anything on a very US perspective?
3: Sure. Yeah, in the US it's been kind of a a a pretty interesting ride because when I first started at Spectra Sensors, we were talking about, um, you know, the energy mix and how LNG would contribute to our energy requirements. But then somewhere in the mid 2000s, there was this huge boom in in the natural gas um, proven reserves in the US. So at this point, just as of a couple of years ago, the U.S. is now a net exporter of LNG. So, a lot has changed because of, of the the boom in natural gas here in the U.S. And of course, because natural gas has to be processed down to you know single-digit ppm levels of H2S, pretty much everything is sour. Um, we have certain areas that are um, have higher levels of H2S, like in West Texas, and and then if we're talking North. North America, uh, Calgary and Edmonton, they have huge levels of H2S. Um, but yeah, so in the U.S., uh, things have changed a lot just because we've gone from seeing ourselves as a, as a net importer to a net exporter of LNG and ethane because of the, the huge um, change in non-conventional natural gas. We're, we're exporting ethane, we're exporting NGLs. And something that people may not realize is that the number of gas plants in the U.S. and and around the world probably is is something like five times the number of refineries. So if you compare a natural gas plant, it's kind of like a refinery, but on the gas side, there's five times the number of gas plants in the U.S. than there are refineries. So that's driving a lot of the business here in the U.S.
0: Yeah, and we've seen seen those numbers of gas processing plants, I mean, significantly explode over the past Uh, Several years, it's been pretty incredible because that's one of the areas that we track as well. Uh, Now, I want to guess, of course, I want to get Mark into the mix here. Uh, Mark, let's talk about gas sweetening units. So one of the questions I had here is what types of measurements does and Hauer provide in gas sweetening
2: units? Yeah, thanks, Lee. Yeah, so Idris at our our core competence is a measurement company. So uh, in gas sweetening amine type units at a high level, uh, we start looking at quality and, and quantity uh, type measurements. So as we dive deeper into this unit in particular, uh, gas sweetening, the vast majority, maybe around 70% of measurement devices are pressure and temperature uh, throughout the process. So for example, in the amine unit, temperature is used to prevent heat exchanger fouling, prevent amine degradation, and provide reboiler temperature control to avoid amine losses. Then we find many various flow and level measurements for control safety. Uh, An example would be level measurement in the contactor, is essential for stable operation and used as a primary control point. And finally from a quality perspective, one of the most critical measurements is on gas quality. Uh, Done via tunable diode laser technology uh, through spectra sensors, we can see trace levels of H2S and CO two is a critical control uh, quality parameter uh, in the amine gas sweetening unit. So that's just to mention a few of the the core measurements. Uh, of course, there are many others in these units, but yeah, that's that's kind of where our core competence is.
0: Great, and, and I want to switch back to Sam. So you you were you touching on the gas processing side. So what is the global installed base in gas processing plants?
3: Um, well, I would I guess I would focus on the gas analyzers myself, although as Mark said, you know, you've got liquid and gas flow, you've got pressure, temperature, level, and as far as gas analyzers, um, if you include natural gas pipelines and gas processing plants, because they're very closely tied to each other, you have about 10, we have about 10,000 gas analyzers in the field today. So um gas processing plants typically what they'll do is remove the H2s and then we'll do a measurement of the H2s and level or CO2 level on the outlet of that plant and then it goes into a either custody transfer to a pipeline or um, or to you know more of an internal measurement for gathering or storage or something like that.
0: Excellent, excellent. So, let's. I want to get now into the kind of the, the details of, of optimizing uh, these units as well. So, uh, Prasad, how does instrumentation help to optimize the gas sweetening process? You know, like minimize losses, and how is it? How does it improve efficiency?
1: Uh, let me let me try to answer this question in two parts. You know, to start, I will try to touch base on a process point of view. That will uh, probably give a better understanding in terms of what I'm going to talk later. Now, uh, what happens in a typical gas weakening unit, the removal of hydrogen sulfide, and uh, this is normally performed by an, I mean, gas treatment process. There are other technologies also in place, like uh, separation technologies, solvent systems, absorption towers, membrane separators, all those different technologies are currently available in terms of removal of uh, what you call as acid gases, H2S, CO2. Now, in simple terms, an amine treatment happens in two steps. Uh, Step one is uh, absorption, and uh, step two is distillation. What happens in absorption? Amine absorbs the uh, acid gases, and in step two, you have rich amine, which absorbs H2S and CO2. Now, that needs to be converted to lean amine that is done in a distillation or a stripping process. Now, coming to the process control instrumentation, this plays a very critical part in optimizing the gas sweetening process. It also helps in minimizing losses and also improve efficiency. Now, selection of right instrumentation technology ensure real-time process data and control leading to gains in throughput and also uh, the stipulated gas quality what the uh, plant or the end users are looking for. Now, if you look at these, some of the cost areas of an amine treatment unit, the energy required to regenerate amine, this is one. And the second one is the expected amine losses. I think Sam already touched base, or I think Mark touched base on the amine losses. Uh, in a typical plant, this number could be as high uh, as yes, 25% per year. Now, in order to run some of these plants efficiently, all these losses needs to be minimized. And uh, ultimately the key efficiency measure is the quality of the gas that's processed and also the amount of energy that is put into the system to regenerate amine. Now in order to run such a plant efficiently, uh, reliably, safely, we need to look into multiple measurement points in order to be sure that all the the points are, uh, we get information from all different measurement points and uh, the operators can take corrective uh, steps. Now, from uh, House perspective, we offer the complete instrumentation portfolio, both to measure the quantity and quality parameters parameters in the sweetening process. Few examples I'd like to highlight here, uh, flow measurement of uh, incoming gas stream and liquid desiccant, very critical measurement points, level measurement in uh, contractor column, regenerator, and uh, flash tank, quality measurement analyzers in the incoming sour gas and sweet gas outlet, and also, there are multiple pressure and temperature measurement as part of the loop. Now, accurate and reliable measurement ensures tight process control and quality specification of gas required, Minimizes challenges associated with condensation and liquid carryover in contactor column, avoid a reboiler overload, and ensure smooth operation of heat exchangers and filters. So, in summary, you know, in order to run these uh, processes efficiently, you need to accurately measure all those. Today, you visit any of these gas plant, you will see many of these mechanical meters, which is uh, creating a lot of issues with respect to maintenance and measurement. Now, with the right technology, you will get reliable measurement, and with that, you'll be able to control the process much better.
0: Excellent. So I wanna move now to Sam. So this is probably one of the million dollar questions, but if, if you're a, a customer and they're trying to find the best analyzer technology out there, I mean, what are, what are the considerations that they should, uh, that they should look for and help choosing the right analyzer technology?
3: Good question. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, um, if you look at the gas analyzer, you have to think about what is the purpose of that measurement and the the purpose is basically quality control and meeting a customer specification downstream. So a lot of times you're doing a custody transfer, and if you're not meeting that specification, what's going to happen is somebody's going to shut a valve, and they're not going to be able to produce, and they're going to be losing revenue. So um, it's pretty critical that the gas meets a specification. If the analyzer is not reliable enough to do that measurement, Um, it's not going to be trusted. And... And people will doubt whether they should shut that valve or not. But if you have a very reliable analyzer that you know that measurement is correct, then you're going to have that confidence to, to do what needs to be done, shut the valve and, and get things fixed up. Um, the other thing that's really important is is the ability to get that reading as quickly as possible. because So speed of response is really important because if you're flowing a lot of gas and, and you don't get that, valve shut quickly enough now you have exposed a huge segment of pipeline could be hundred miles long with high levels of h2s in the case you know in the worst case scenario there could be an upset of mm, potentially thousands of ppm of h2s and that not only are you not meeting specifications you got to do something with that gas but it but it's also a safety issue you can't have high levels of h2s and the gas running down through interstate pipelines and um, so that's the two things: reliable, reliability, and fast response. But also, um, I'd say generally in the industry, you've seen a huge trend towards co- companies that are depending more and more on their suppliers to take care of their analyzers and their instrumentation in general. Actually, so the suppi- supplier itself has to have a good reputation, have to be globally seated, and the products have to be somewhat self-diagnosing themselves. Otherwise. Um, you know, because you don't have the customers don't tend to have the instrumentation and analysis expertise on staff on site, so that's why the reliability comes into play, and the supplier themselves have to be there and and, and be available to help in case they need to be there. So I'd say those three things.
0: Absolutely, thanks, thanks, Sam. Sure. Uh, so let's move on to uh, Percent. I got another question for you, and this is going to be. <laughs> I know extremely important, of course, um, within the industry, but can you just kind of go over the importance of having the correct level measurement? I mean, this is crucial, isn't it?
1: It's a very good question, Lee, because, you know, more often, you know, there are a lot of focus which is being put on some of the flow applications and pressure temperature, but level also plays a critical uh, role in ensuring that these amine treatment processes run well. Now, looking at what are the level measurement points within an amine treatment unit, it starts with a contractor, then there are level measurement in the flash tank, then there are few level applications in the regenerator, and also on the reflex accumulator. Now, maintaining the proper level in the contractor is essential for stable operation, and an output from a level instrument is typically used as a process variable in the control loop. Now, maintaining the proper level ensures a constant and uniform flow of rich amine from the contactor, which stabilizes operations by avoiding flow rate surges and also the reboiler overload. Now coming into the flash tank now you from the contractor what you have is a combination of rich amine you have lighter hydrocarbon and heavier hydrocarbon this comes into a flash tank it is nothing but a three-phase separator. Now the basic separation happens with the help of level control you have a couple of level transmitters installed on the flash tank and also similar to the contractor you have some additional level instrumentation in the regenerator also. Now again it is critical that There is uniform flow of linamine out of the uh, regenerator, otherwise, again, that will result in overloading and will have inefficiency in terms of the operation. Now, if you visit some of the gas plants, you will see a lot of mechanical meters, whether it is a displacer level transmitter or some DP insulation. There are some inherent challenges with these mechanical devices because you are working under varying process conditions and you need accurate measurement. So the technology which we support, it's a guided wave radar technology. And that offers unique benefits in terms of the level measurement. It provides reliable measurement even with uh, changing product and process conditions. As I said, compared to mechanical level transmitter, this technology offers maintenance-free measurement. It also enables uh, quick commissioning, and it has built-in diagnostics. If there is something going wrong with the device or the process, immediately you get a message, an alphanumeric message as per NAMUR standards that something is not working right with the device. And also, along with uh, seamless integration to control system and some of the asset management uh, software, there is a seamless integration. So level transmitter, it's, it's a very critical application and the guided wave radar technology which we offer makes a clear difference in terms of ensuring high process safety and availability.
0: Perfect, thank you, thank you for, the, for that answer. Now, for the last question, and I wanna get Mark here on this. So Mark, can you just kind of describe uh, what, what wet gas flow measurement is and some of the challenges there are in uh, wet gas flow measurement?
2: Yeah, so wet gas is is probably a term a lot of our operators uh, don't like to hear. Um, most most of our uh, operators would prefer to have uh, good, clean, ideal process conditions, and wet gas would is typically not considered uh, ideal. So. So most flow measurement devices are designed to measure, you know, uh, liquids uh, or gases very accurately. Um, but in our industry, in oil and gas, there's many times that flow meters are asked to do more, uh, are asked to keep their high accuracies in non-ideal applications, such as an, an oil in water application or a gas in oil application or even uh, a wet gas application. So see that these are some of the toughest uh, measurements and wet gas is, is really where liquid droplets enter a gas phase uh, in a measurement application. So most gas applications are looking at gas as the primary stream, but there are times when liquid droplets can enter and depending on the flow technology, these liquid droplets can go unnoticed uh, possibly causing additional harm to downstream processes and, and also causing large errors in the flow rate, uh, which affect the downstream processes uh, as well. So for example, in, in the sweet gas outlet of the amine unit, <clears throat> at times we see wet gas scenarios. Uh, this is where using a multivariable device that includes pressure and temperature compensation can be valuable to maintain an accurate measurement and provide indication of how much moisture is in the line. So while, while most uh, what, what is considered wet gas meters uh, can handle a small percentage of moisture or, or liquid droplets, uh, this is where our, our new wet gas ultrasonic meter is designed specifically for this application uh, that can handle uh, a higher percentage of, of of liquid droplets in those primary, primarily gas lines.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mark. And, and really that's about all we have time for today. Uh, we really, really want to thank our subject matter experts from Anderson and Hauser for their time today. As you heard in the beginning during their intros, uh, they're scattered throughout all parts of the world. So we really want to thank them for their flexibility in meeting for this podcast. Uh, some really good insights uh, into this uh, area and these type of technologies. And of course, we really want to thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the main column podcast by using the subscribe button on the podcast site, or you can use your smartphone. So with that, we really want to thank Anderson Hauser, and we want to thank all of you again for joining.